Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Cringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcasts without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. And then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Dark Fringe Radio, episode number five. I'm your host, Will Martinez. Thanks for joining in on the most underrated, unknown podcast ever. But we're going to be getting into the most haunted places in Florida tonight with uh, my co-host, Jake Alosi. And we're going to peel this bitch back. And we're going to be talking about a lot of the crazy stuff that happens in this beautiful state. Again, don't uh, forget to follow us on our social media, on Twitter, at Dark Fringe Radio. And also on our website, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. And on SoundCloud, at the same Dark Fringe Radio. So, please try to... uh, Give us a thumb and a liking and uh, the SoundCloud because we're trying to get our numbers up there. And spread the word. Tell everybody else about this uh, fantastic podcast that I'm putting together for you guys. Hopefully on a weekly basis. I know I've been slacking, but I'm going to get better with that. I promise. So a lot of stuff happening right now in the world and uh, especially here in the United States. Uh, right now, um, we're kind of divided, a little polarization with the people right now, and it's uh, it's quite crazy um, because you know I've never seen such a division with uh, people uh, in this country for a long time. I mean, there's always been a division between you know, for instance, uh, Republicans and Democrats, and you know I've always seen that from the sidelines. I've never associated myself with either. I really think that the whole political arena is a sham. And that's just my political, you know, opinion. Uh, it's all run by advertisers and big corporations and uh, through media. So right now the president is um, in the middle of an issue with the NFL. And, um, you know, he had some comments that he, he made on Twitter, you know, stating that if there was any NFL owner where, where their player wouldn't take a knee or, you know, wouldn't stand for the national anthem, that they should be fired immediately. And I think he used son of a bitch or something like that. You know, there was a backlash from a lot of uh, players and even players' um, parents. I've seen one from one player's mother and saying that if he's a son of a bitch and I'm a bitch, I guess. You know, a lot of people, you know, have a uh, strong opinion about this. And you've seen a lot of the uh, teams this weekend uh, take a knee, even Dallas Cowboys. At first, I thought Jerry Jones came out with a – a statement saying that if any of his players decided to take a knee, that he was going to fire them on the spot. But then next thing I know, he's taking a knee with the whole team on the field. So, you know, it's a very weird time. And um, I, I don't think that this is the president's uh, 
uh, best time to be worrying about something like this, especially when you have an island, the island of Puerto Rico, uh, that's going through the probably the worst thing that's ever happened to them, you know, hundreds of years. So right now, the uh, situation down there is pretty dire. The power situation, the infrastructure for the power there was uh, so poor uh, to begin with. And that has been battered after a couple of the you know past hurricanes that's gone through there. I know Irma kind of skidded past, but um, it still did some damage. Um, and it was a, a poor infrastructure to begin with as far as the power was concerned. So um, once Maria got in there and did her damage, um, it really did a number on that grid. And um, they're going to be out of power for four to six months. Now, I don't know if you've been out of power for a long, extensive period of time where you understand what that is like. But it's not a pleasant situation, I can tell you that. Here in Florida, when Irma passed, we were without power for about six days. Now, for me, six days, that's where it starts to get a little bit annoying, you know, taking the uh, you know, the cold, cold baths, which actually is not so bad. After a while, you kind of get used to it, and you can actually kind of uh, forward to it and kind of cool down your body. But, yeah, not um, being able to have a stove that you could um, you know, make dinner on and uh, you'd have to depend on a generator to keep your refrigerator going uh, because um, that's the only way that you're going to keep your food cold. It's, it's a crazy situation and it could be very taxing. I can imagine, I can't even imagine four to six months. I mean, six days was already started getting quite annoying. Four or six months, I don't know what I would be able to do. Um, there's a lot of people that are leaving the island and um, it's kind of sad as well because you know, there's going to be a lot of families that are going to be displaced. I just hope that our government can go in there and start repairing the infrastructure that needs to be done. So, again, if you can give anything to the efforts for Puerto Rico, please do. Just make sure to do some due diligence on the uh, the charity that you're donating to uh, because uh, you'll make sure you want to maximize your, your fullest dollar. Okay. So um, again, tonight, on a better note, we're going to be talking about the most haunted places in Florida. Again, with my co-host here, co-host here Jay Golosi, and uh, we're going to really uh, get into it. And uh, we're actually going to talk about one particular place called the Riddle House, which is actually maybe about 35 minutes away from my house. So we'll get into that here in a second. Again, darkfrenchradio.wordpress.com, Twitter, Dark French Radio. And also on SoundCloud, so make sure you check us out there. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. I kiss my mother on the cheek, tell her that I love her. You ain't gotta worry about a thing, I got it covered. Why you think I'm out here acting crazy? Why you think I'm out here acting crazy? Why you think I'm out here acting crazy? Ma, you know I'm still your little baby. All my life I was a fuck up, now I pull the truck up. Same bitch stuck up, now she wanna suck us. See me hanging out the window screaming, what, what? No more tough luck, a different cloth is what I'm cut from. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us here at Dark Fringe Radio. We're actually uh, heading into our uh, main topic of discussion for tonight. I have my uh, best friend here with me as well. Uh, he's going to um, jump on this here with me. And he's actually going to be a more uh, permanent and regular guest here with me. And uh, we're going to be doing a lot of collaboration on um, this podcast. So, Jay, listen, thanks for uh, joining again on the podcast. No, hey, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, giving me a platform. Thanks for making me part. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, like I said, you know, I wanted to um, have somebody on here to, you know, kind of push these um, these topics back and forth and kind of, you know, joust these things back and forth with somebody. You know, it's hard, kind of hard doing it by yourself. 
But I'm glad you're, um, you know, were able to uh, jump on here with me and, um, you know, kind of give me your two cents about some of these things that we're going to talk about. But tonight, the main topic of discussion is the most haunted places in Florida. Now, you've lived here all your life. I've lived here all my life. We lived in this state. You know, we've traveled in this state back and forth, I'm sure, you know, hundreds of times. So going on vacation, everybody knows, you know, hey, when you think about Florida, it's about sunshine. It's about Disney. It's about the beaches. It's about this. But there's a lot of other shit about this state that a lot of people don't talk about. This state has a lot of rich history. You know, there's a lot of dark places to this place as well. And um, I'm sure you. Oh yeah. I'm sure you've run into a couple of places yourself where you've kind of felt like, listen, this is like not exactly um, as inviting as you know most people would have thought. Give me a maybe a, an experience or two, maybe if you can give me Jay of where maybe you've maybe witnessed something or maybe had an experience. Well, I, I mean, I've, uh, maybe you could say lucky or unlucky enough to have. A, I've had a few experiences. Uh, the one that always comes to mind first. Actually, I, I, there was a girl I went to, uh, we went to high school with. I don't, you may not have known her crowd, uh, her name was Lynn, and, and she actually died in a car accident. Uh, out in Del Rey, there was this real sharp curve that no longer is there anymore. The curve itself has been extended, and it's a, a neighborhood. Um, but she was driving. She was really big on having seatbelts. This weird night, she didn't wear a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, her boyfriend that was driving turned the car too fast. The car rolled on top of her. Uh, she ended up passing away. No, it was it was crazy. I was 17 years old, and actually, right after her, right after her, the services, the burial, uh, I ended up in a car driving up to Orlando to spend the weekend in Disney with my family. And you talk about freaking out. I was scared out of my shit. Right. So, <clears throat> you fast forward a few years, and you know, not a, a hugely religious guy. I do believe in certain things, and just when I go to bed at night, I do make sure I, you know, I say a prayer and I send love to, to those I know who have passed and let them know I think I'm a mess of this. Right. I was living in a, in a one-bedroom apartment in Deerfield. Mm-hmm. And as I'm doing that, I felt hands over my shoulders and I looked and I saw her face clear as day. And she said, thank you. And I, the craziest part was I was actually laying on my back. Oh, boy. So I, I bounced out of the bed right. and against the wall. And that's where I remained for 20 minutes until I went out to the couch to sleep. Yeah, you're kind of frozen, huh? No, dude, it was scary. I mean, it was obviously it wasn't haunting. It wasn't anything bad. It was, you know, it was, it, it was a, it was a, a was good message. interaction. But that being said, it was an interaction with somebody who had been dead for five years at that point. Right. It was uh, a message. It scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, it was a message. She was giving you a message, obviously, and um, whatever it was that you did to um, maybe remember her, her name or maybe her spirit. Um, maybe she was thanking you for that. So, you know, that's uh, that's a good thing. You know, that's a good interaction. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that's a good interaction sure. with the other side. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad it wasn't like, you know, the poltergeist, she's coming through my TV kind of shit. Yeah. yeah that but was... yeah, it, it, it was in, it's impossible to deny. Nobody else was there. Nobody, you know, you can't confirm it, but I'm, I know. It's just one of those things you know. Right, yeah. Like, when you feel like I felt the hands on the shoulder... I could hear her in my ear, and I saw her just plain as day. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I bounced out of bed, and it was the first of what ended up being a, a few times where I, I saw something that, you know, physically wasn't there, but metaphysically, you know, 
made its presence known. There's no other way to describe it. No, there's yeah. no other way to explain it. No, it was there. Of course, you know, once once that happens to you, I think that um, it kind of uh, you know it, it awakens another side of you because it, you become aware of you know things that are not of this realm. You know, it, it kind of opens your eye in a way. I think, and um, once it happens to you, once I think it's going to happen to you, you know, for the rest of your life. And I've had similar experiences in, in this place. You know, it's crazy. The state. You know, there's so much stuff that happens here. You know, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. And you know, I've had my share experiences as well. You know, and I was growing up. I was about I say about 14 or 15 and um, I was with my brother and also with my cousin Pete who you know we were at this house that was abandoned out in 441 near I would say let me see I think it would be around the Boynton Beach Boulevard area but all the way out west near 441 and at that time 441 it was (laughs) was nothing it was not built up at all it was not it was a dirt road bro you know what I mean? It was a two-lane. I remember. Yeah, it was a two-lane dirt road. So it was very, very, you know, out in the country, out in the woods. And there was this abandoned house that we happened to be next door to because uh, we were actually visiting a friend of my cousin's um, dad, uh, my step-uncle. Uh, and um, we were at this house, man, and it was all boarded up. And we had to ask my uncle, hey, listen, what's the story about this house? It's all boarded up. You know, all the windows are boarded up. You know, everything was – it looked like it was condemned. It looked like it hadn't been touched in probably about 20 years. The grass was probably up to your waist, a little higher. Um, so it was just completely unkept. So um, everything was locked. And, um, of course, as curious kids that we are, you know what I mean, you know, we decided to go looking around. And, um, you know, trying to see what we can see. So there was no way to get in. So what I ended up doing was bum rushing one of the side doors to kind of <laughs> try to break it open, you know, what I mean? like a movie or whatever. So eventually, after a couple of tries, I was able to kind of like, you know, break the door kind of open. And then once we opened the door, it was very creepy in there, man. It was like clothes strewn all across the floor and it was all damp and it was like flooded inside the house and there was blood stains of like a hand blood stain all across the wall like somebody had like a bloody hand and like you could tell like somebody was trying to brace themselves on the wall with their bloody hand and like they kind of fell with their hand so we saw that we were like kind of freaked out and you know we kind of went inside just a little bit and then the next thing you know my brother swears to this day that he said that he saw he saw a skeleton, like a face of a skeleton, peer at him. And then from that moment on, he said, you know, that he saw that and he literally screamed like a girl, ran the opposite way. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then finally I catch up with him. Me and Pete catch up with him. We're like, what is going on? And, you know, he basically explained to us what happened. So I saw shadows in the house moving around as well i i've always seen shadows you know growing up i've always been kind of sensitive to kind of seeing shadows but you know i've seen it in the house but i didn't nothing that you know terrified me like what my brother saw because he was just like pale white so yeah we've seen some shit you know and uh, that's what we're going to get into tonight man this this state is rich with history and uh rich with a lot of horrible things have happened in the past as well so well you know you know how why why Florida became a, a, poor, a part of the United States, right? We can't, why we became part of the Union. Fill me in. All right. So um, when Florida was, was, had been owned by Spain, but Spain was doing nothing to um, run Florida. It was, they weren't trying to colonize it, nothing. While they owned us, while they owned Florida, and they, they had some vested interest in it, they weren't doing anything. So it ended up becoming a... a, a kind of a hideaway for privateers, obviously Native Americans, and 
um, some British-based pirates. Now, what would happen is a lot of times this, these, the, those three violent uh, mixtures, these parties would kind of spill over and spill out into Georgia, and it became, it became such a problem that the, the U.S. government decided they had to send someone down to try to, to, to quell some of them. And what ended up happening was um, the general who actually ended up becoming a president, and now I can't even think of his name, I tell you, it's crazy. He, he came down, and he ended up hanging a bunch of pri- uh, British privateers. Yeah, they were, and they were pirates, causing, right? I'm sorry? Pirates, right? Yeah, pirates. That's yeah, basically what, yeah. The, the rum runners. So, rum runners, but he, but they flew under, the difference between a pirate and a privateer is pirates would fly under their own individual flag, whereas privateers were actually flying under the British flag. Right. And we had just stayed off a, a, a war with with England. So, uh, in fact, it was the War of 1812 because that's when they came and burned the White House. Right. Um, so we had fought a war with them and it had gone nowhere, and our government kind of went back and said, let's pretend like it, this never happened. So now here you have one general coming in and hanging British uh, sailors, basically, or privateers. And what ended up happening is now you have you have the U.S. government hanging British uh, sailors on Spanish land. So you have kind of this international uh, incident, and what ended up happening was we were able to actually negotiate for it out because Spain didn't want to have anything to do with it. England didn't want to have anything to do with it. We were right here. So that is actually how Florida got uh, to become part of the United States. It was really through nobody else wanted us because it was so much crazy shit going on with the Indians and the pirates and rum runners and yeah, the symbols and, uh, are kicking and their ass. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it hasn't ended. Yeah, no, it's still a crazy state. No, you're right, and um, you know that's that's what that's what makes this this state so rich in um, you know history and bloodshed as well. Um, you have to think it's gone back so far. Um, with the Indians, the Seminoles, um, and also, you know, Chief Osceola, which is, you know, a, a big part uh, of the Seminole tribe. And, um, you know, what happened to him at, you know, St. Augustine and at the Castillo de San Marcos and you know, them having his head in a fucking jar. And a lot of shit has happened in the state. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're going to um, jump right into Ybor City in Tampa. Have you ever been over there in that area, Jay? I've been to Tampa. Um but no, the scariest thing I seen in Tampa was an abandoned uh, roller coaster, wooden roller coaster at Bush Gardens. And oh, no, yeah. I, well, you, I, I know you, we've spoke a little bit about it. Right. Uh, I've never actually seen it. So okay, you know. Well, um, haunted Ebor City is basically you know um, you know part of Tampa, Florida. It's um, really thick and rich in Hispanic history. It's a very dark and ubiquitous history that seems to hang heavily in the air when you go there. You just feel it. You know, once you go there. You like you have that sense of like okay, I'm here in the city and it feels like a city that's been here for like a long, long time. You could feel the history. So it's a smaller part of the city of Tampa um, that was established in the 1800s and it started out as a cigar manufacturing town. Um, and at the peak of its success, it was considered to be the largest cigar manufacturing city in the world. And so um, they had a lot of Cuban and Italian immigrants who came over here to, you know, um, work at the cigar manufacturing plants. They were rolling cigars and doing all the, you know, the tobacco processing and all that stuff. But unfortunately, they lacked a lot of the hygienic resources and skills 
and diseases ran rampant, you know, during that time. So um, in early in the 1900s, um, they had a really bad TB epidemic, the tuberculosis, um, that basically mm-hmm. killed a lot of the people that was in that town. So, um, you know, a lot of people had to deal with that. And then on top of that, Ybor City was burned down to the ground twice during that time. So like completely like burnt down, like like nothing, just ashes. So there's a lot of a lot of just crazy history in that town, even though they said that nobody was killed in the fires. Uh, the papers back then weren't very, you know, 100% reliable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, everything back then was was less reliable. You know, everything was, was kind of tongue-in-cheek. And, and a lot of people also didn't, didn't talk about the things they saw because they believed that they didn't talk about it. It didn't happen. Exactly. Exactly. So now, like, when you go to Ebor City now, for instance, you go there now and it's like – shops galore nightclubs galore um and everything you know that you just have everything that you could ever want in a, in a in a small bustling town um but a lot of the shop owners and employees throughout the area also claim they've had experiences with different ghosts within their building um including one with a little boy ghost who seems to play tricks on employees by moving objects around and you know running around through the aisles of clothing um and then another one of a haunted cuban club that uh, talks about a lady uh, ghost in a misty dress who's been seen walking around the staircase on many occasions, and uh, also pianos playing by themselves and disembodied voices hearing throughout the the, the hallways. Um, there's also a law firm in Ebor City um, that I've actually spoken to an attorney about that um, also has claims to be haunted. Um, ba- basically, they've investigated this place, um, a bunch of ghost hunters, and they basically found that um, there was a... Um, a heinous fight between two people um, in that um, in that building because it was actually a bar when it was first opened. It wasn't obviously um, an attorney's office. It was a bar when it first opened, and a man was killed in the fight. So you know when something like that happens, you know you have a very you know traumatic experience in in, in a location where somebody loses their life. Um, a lot of times, you know that that you know that bad energy is left in a place like that. Yeah, you know, actually, I, I had an experience. Now, while it didn't happen in Florida, um, you know that's that's the biggest thing they say when 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 something violent happens and that the spirit doesn't realize it's no longer in the physical world, it doesn't know what to do. It, that's where it ends up in in that kind of uh, in between place. It, it, it ends up in the netherworld where it's not quite a hundred percent alive. It's not quite a hundred percent dead. It doesn't really know what's going on. I was driving, I lived in Tennessee for a few years, and I was driving down a back road, mm-hmm. uh, old, T- old Tullahoma Highway. Okay. No lights, no nothing. Um, it was just me and my daughter, uh, who at the time she was two and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were coming home from some family's house, and uh, I had, ended up stopping. And as I stopped, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And as I looked, I saw a Union soldier. Now, Tennessee, huge for Civil War battles. A lot of a lot of people died uh, in Tennessee during during the Civil War, so there's all kinds of stuff going on, uh, you know. They're not quite as uh, all over the places it is here in Florida, but a lot of Civil War um, sightings there for for spirits. And as I was sitting there, as I turned, I saw a Union soldier standing there, and the lines on his face clear as day. He he had obviously hadn't shaved. It was he had a little bit of a beard growing on the side and kind of a longer goatee, but no color whatsoever, none. Yeah. Just standing there staring through me. 
And uh, even talking about it now, the hair on the back of my neck stands up, and I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to look away, but I, I turned my face forward for a second, and as I turned back, it was gone. Just that quick, huh? Just like that. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things they say that when that's what leads to a lot of these hauntings or a lot of these uh, a lot of times where you see these places that that have that are rich in and in, in this kind of activity. It's usually because something very violent happened. You know, we've seen it time and time again, you know, when, uh, you know, whether it be, um, you know, whatever, you know, a fire in, in, in a house or, you know, in a building. And, you know, that that residual energy, you know, stays there. It doesn't go away. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, um, you know, getting back to um, Ebor, you know, there's a theater also there. It's called the Tampa Theater. And um, it was built in 1926. And it's actually still in use to this day. Um, and a lot of the employees there experience a lot of uh, paranormal stuff as well. You know, a lot of people being touched, um, pushed, um, thrown. Um, and it also, um, speaking about, you know, the residual energy, you know, it, it's all supposed to be um, originated from this guy who was a projectionist that um, actually killed himself in the projection room um, many years ago, basically in 1930. Yeah, I think I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, from that point on, there's been like a lot of people have been saying they've been attacked by um, this, you know, individual or the spirit because of, you know, what's happened. So, you know, again, you know, Tampa is, uh, you know, one of the older cities here in uh, Florida and uh, a lot of rich history there as well. So, um Let's go um, next to the Miami Biltmore Hotel in Coral Gables. Um, that was one that um, you had mentioned to me, and uh, I um, I thought that was a great story behind that. Give me a little bit of background on that one, Jay, if you can, if you can. I know you know a little bit about that one. Well, from what I had heard from that one and what I had read, um, you know, obviously Miami used to be big with with gangsters and gamblers. Al Capone had a a house down here, and obviously wherever Al Capone goes, that whole that whole kind of grouping, that whole kind of lifestyle follows suit. Yeah, that scene, um, those people, absolutely. So there, there had been a, uh, a gangster who was also quite the gambler. For, from, what I, from what I gathered, he died in some kind of a dispute uh, inside the hotel. Um, and a lot of people who work there say that uh, he'll do things like hold doors open for servers, which – you know, it seems like he's more of a benevolent spirit and more not not really trying to scare people. But then he'll go out and he'll he'll make the elevator go to the wrong floor. He'll um, turn on and off all the lights. So, I mean, listen, I can't say that when I die, I'm not going to do the same stuff to everybody I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it scares the bejesus out of people. Right, of course, of course. But, yeah, you're absolutely – you hit the nail right in the head about the, the Miami Biltmore. You're absolutely right. People getting to the wrong floor of the elevator and, um, you know, lights turning off and on and um, people seeing, you know, things that obviously are not uh, – they're not there. So, yeah, a very, very uh, creepy place. The Miami Biltmore Hotel. And that's a place that you can still go to to this day and actually stay there. You know, when we talk about haunted places, a lot of these places, you know, sometimes are not there. And a lot of these ones here in Florida, they're actually still there and you can actually visit. Well, Florida, you know, the, one of the things that, and I'm such a huge history nerd. I'm actually, I, I spent three hours today on the beach with my beautiful wife, giving her all kinds of lessons in, in presidential history. Uh, big history guy. Florida is just rich with all kinds of history. Old cities from Key West to, I mean, here in West Palm, that's an old city. 
you go up to you go farther north. You got Tampa. You got Saint Augustine. And there's so many old cities. There's so it's so rich with history. Unfortunately, a lot of that history also deals with death. Yep. A lot of people died in Florida. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, speaking of which, um, you know, we're talking about now going down south to Key West. Now, Key West has a cemetery. It's a Key West cemetery, and um, there's um, a lot of benevolent spirits there that they've claimed, uh, but there's also one that supposedly is known to attack individuals at night. So some visitors hear, like, laughters of children attributed to the ghost of several children who perished in a fire across the street many years ago in that area. And then also, not too far from that actual cemetery, is also another fort area there, which houses Robert Dahl. Now, Robert Dahl, um, for, you know, those that don't know, he was the inspiration for, like, a lot of movies about, you know, possessed dolls like Chucky and stuff like that and um you know he was a doll that was uh given to i believe it was a an aristocrat's daughter um from the queen and um basically what had happened was is that daughter had i believe passed away and she left that doll behind and ever since that doll has been pretty much possessed and they keep it actually enclosed in a glass case it's in a glass case you like you can't even touch it it's like protected and it says you know Look at it at your own risk and take pictures at your own risk. So it's a pretty fucking creepy doll. Um, you look at it. It's, you know, something that you, that you can kind of tell that there's something going on with it. You get that feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would not mess with that. That's two of the creepiest things you can see is is a possessed doll and, and the, the voices of a dead child. That's yeah, that's scary enough for me. Yeah. I don't know which one I'm is number there. one or number two on on, on those lists. I know they both make me go number two. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, right, right in my pants. Let's head up north, St. Augustine. You've been there. I've been there. I think it's quite literally one of the most beautiful places here in Florida. Oh, I love St. Augustine. I love it. It's from the old streets where you still majorly walk from place to place. Uh, you know, there's so much culture there. It's it's so great. It's It's not you know, ninth level of hell hot like it is the farther south you go. It, right. It's It's got that nice mixture, but it's still beautiful Florida. It's still tropical. Uh, I love San Augustine so much exactly. history there. You're absolutely right. I Like how I explain it to people is like if you were to take Maine and like South Florida and mix them together, that's what you would get St. Augustine. Oh, beautiful. Love St. Augustine. Exactly. Love St. Augustine. Yep. The, uh, the fort there cool as could be but uh for me personally actually that was one of the places i had one of my my experiences tell me and i know you told me that you also had had one there i went um actually at night i paid to go on one of these uh haunted tours you know to kind of take you around the places to show you basically places where people have died absolutely um and the first kid was it, it really it was just me, one other person, and then the person leading the tour. And she led the tour by lantern light, you know, to make it creepier. Why not? Yeah. And the first few places we saw, we saw a, um, almost it was like a, like a, a club or a bar. Um, we didn't see anything there. But as we got farther along, and we, the last place we stopped was the lighthouse. And she was telling us how actually the lighthouse keeper, the original lighthouse keeper, um, who had, he was doing some repairs to the lighthouse and fell to his death. So she was saying that people who actually work on it have actually seen him 
still up on the side of the lighthouse. And then we moved on. I didn't see anything there. We move on to the house. And as we're at the house, we're standing at the, at the foot of the house, two-story house. And she was saying that sometimes people will see the lighthouse keeper's daughter who died in a fire up in that window, still in the same uh, time period dress. It was like a white dress. And, and as, I, as she was saying, I was looking up the window, and I saw the girl appear. Uh, and again, just like I did in Tennessee, I kind of, I was staring. I didn't want to blink. I didn't want to look away because I was almost in disbelief that here she is talking about this particular spirit, this particular, uh, haunting. And, and here I am bearing witness to it. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. Uh, I, I, for a second, for a second, I look away to see if anybody else is noticing, trying to get other people's attention and, by the time I looked back up, it was gone. But for the rest of the night, I was looking over my shoulder. Yeah, that um, that lighthouse is um, runs rampant of reports of you know hauntings. Um, they even did a special on it on Ghost Hunters, and um, those guys spent an entire episode on that particular site. And they've had some pretty good um, experiences there with um, disembodied voices, um, things turning off and on like a light, like you explained. Um, also, the hatch being um, open and closed. So, um, you know, a lot of crazy stuff that happens in that lighthouse. And, you know, many of um, people may not know, but St. Augustine is one of the oldest cities in, you know, the United States. And um, the fort there that you were, you know, you, you touched on earlier, the Castillo de San Marcos, that is um, one of the oldest standing masonry forts in the country. And um, a lot of the popular stories that come out of that particular fort um, involve a seminal man who haunts the fortress and leaps from the walls and a lovesick woman in white. So um, the, the seminal man is actually Chief Osceola. Chief Osceola was obviously the chief of the Seminole tribe, and they actually cut his head off and um, they brought it to the in a, in a jar. And um, you know, ever since then, you know, you know, his spirit has supposedly been running rampant around in that 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 castle in that uh, fort. And um, the light, yeah, that, that would ruin your weekend. Oh yeah, that would ruin your weekend. You know, you you know, fuck Game of Thrones. You know, you're not going to fucking be doing nothing. <laughs> But um, no, yeah, no. Um, but then you know, you touching on Saint Augustine, the lighthouse there. I mean, you know, fuck. I've been to that lighthouse. I was explaining to you earlier, and I went during the. I had the exact opposite experience that you did. I went during the day, like at three o'clock in the afternoon. It was hot as fuck. It was like you know, sunny. It was bright. There was not a cloud in the sky. I had nothing, you know, that I experienced there. Maybe because it was just during the daytime. I don't know. Maybe because I wasn't even looking. Um, to be quite honest with you, at that time, I didn't even know that there was any type of hauntings that were going on in that, that area. Um, and I, as I was explaining to you earlier, I didn't know until after the fact, maybe about a year or two later, when Ghost Hunters, which is one of my favorite shows that I watch, um, did a special there and, you know, explained to you know, all the stuff that was happening there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I had the exact opposite um, experience there, but um, as I also I was explaining to you earlier, I stayed at a bed and breakfast at the St. Francis Inn. Now, the St. Francis Inn is in the heart of St. Augustine, and it's an older bread and breakfast that, um, you know, it's been around for some time. And um, I experienced disembodied voices in that um, that room, also lights turning off and on, um, just really odd things that were happening there. I never saw any kind of physical apparitions or anything like that, but just a lot of odd shit that was happening in that particular area. So um, again, St. Augustine, I mean, a great, beautiful city. Um, but again, you know, a lot of crazy shit that's happening there too. 
yeah, I mean, older city, lots more dead people. Exactly right. So let's see here. Uh, we'll move on to... Well, we've headed north. We've yep. headed north. Yep, go ahead. Let's head down back a little bit south um, in, in Lake Wales, Florida. Um, Shoot. There's a place called Spook Hill. Okay. Now, I only know about this because my my wife and I, we were traveling out to, uh, to Legoland, and this is something that she had experienced, something that she, she'd done, and something that she was kind of telling me all about. And every time we passed it, she'd point, she'd point out Spook Hill. So I was doing a little research on it today, and she was telling me about her experiences. And there's a hill where if you park your car at the bottom of the hill and you put it in neutral, and you have to make sure you put it in neutral, it starts to roll up the hill. Why now, does it roll up the hill? That shit's supposed to go roll down the hill. Yeah, I mean, physics. Yeah, you follow physics? That's what they taught me That's in high works. school. I mean, at least when I was awake. <laughs> Which was almost never, be honest. Exactly. Be honest, I was there too. Uh, I remember being asleep most of it. But yeah, no, you, you stop the hill, you're supposed to go down. But if you park, put it neutral, it pulls you up. Now, there's a sign there that talks about Spook Hill, and, and as I was reading, it said it's an optical illusion. Now, I don't know how optical illusions work. If you're sitting there and you actually feel physical motion, uh, that's not optical. It's physical, and if it's physical, it's not an illusion. That's my stance on it. I, I don't want to park my car and do it because right. um, I would then have to clean poo out of my car seat, and that's not <laughs> – yeah. Yeah, that's not a so, sexy sight, yeah. <laughs> but if you read it, it's one of the scariest things I, I can imagine doing, sitting there and feeling your car move up, and, and it's so – it's genuine scary. But then if you read the sign – and has one of the lamest backstories I've ever heard in my life. And it, the backstory itself can't be real, but it doesn't matter because it, it happens. The backstory they tell you is that it used to be uh, a Native American tribe land, mm-hmm. and there was an alligator that would raid and kill the Native American. So the Native American chief and this alligator have this this classic monumental battle uh, where, where they both had died. And... As time had gone on, when the land was developed, they were the the body of the chief, I guess, was found. And is it the gator trying to to get in and take the car with it, or is it the chief trying to protect his tribe from something large like an alligator? It's the lamest backstory there could be. No, I mean it's a, it could be lame, but listen, I mean it could be possible. I mean think about it. It's Jaws, right? How about on land? You know what I mean? Like a fucking killer croc? Why not? There's, there's always, I just, I, yeah. there's always a little I, bit I of just, truth in the, you know what I mean? In these stories, I think. You know what I mean? In these myths, in these well, stories. Well, of course. Yeah, there's a little bit of it. Well, there has to be a little bit of extra drama. You know, part part, part of some of these things that, that when you, ha- you have to be in that heightened state to be able to identify kind of what's happening in the first place. That's why a lot of these things happen either at night or... Uh, you know, and the twilight between, right between being awake and being asleep. You know, so of course there's, there's a bit of drama. There's a, there's a touch of, you know, they are they're trying to to, to make it a bigger uh, a bigger thing than it is. All I can tell you is if you park your car there and you put it neutral, you start rolling up backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's scary. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'll I'll pass on that one. Well, that's uh that's uh you said Spook Hill, huh? And that was in Lake Wales. Lake Wales. Yeah, that's where, like, on the way to Tampa, right? Yep. 
Yeah. I got a visual in my head of where that is. Okay. All right, let's move down closer to us, man. The Riddle House. I um, I asked you earlier. You said you'd never heard of it, and um, it's close to here. It's literally 30 minutes away from here, and um, it's at the um, Yesteryear Village at the South Florida Fairgrounds. And uh, just to give you a little bit of backstory on the Riddle House, in the early 1900s, the Riddle House was uh, built in an effort to provide the West Palm Beach area with a funeral parlor. And it was originally located at the edge of the Woodlawn Cemetery, in West Palm. So a lot of crimes occurred at the cemetery because there was a lot of looters and people digging up graves, trying to, you know, take uh, things and, and, and items um, that were buried with the dead and, uh, you know, trying to sell them. So um, there was a lot of that happening, a lot of grave robbing. Um, so they put this house there to kind of deter from that um, from that happening. Um, and they would actually put it you know, like a gatekeeper there. So in the earlier days of the home, there was a tragic death that actually occurred as a result of an argument between a person that worked at the cemetery and an individual of the community. There was actually a, a fight between the two, and one man passed away. And a lot of the locals um, said that they could still see him walking along the cemetery um, as uh, around the house itself. So um, we were getting a lot of that stuff. And then it looked like also um, two decades later, there was an, a guy by the name of Carl Riddle who actually acquired the position of manager of the city. And the city had a special need for someone to oversee the cemetery because of all the stuff that was happening, of course. It was um, him who became the original you know, gatekeeper of this area. Riddle, he basically enjoyed the home until the, an employee tragically ended his own life in the attic of the home. To remove himself of the economic woes of what was happening, it, you know, it just got to this individual and he just decided to end, you know, end his life in the attic. And ever since then, um, it was completely downhill for this uh, individual. So, you know, after that, his wife and his daughter died. And then he ended up actually ended up committing suicide later on down the road. So, you know, very, very, um, you know, creepy story uh, regarding the Riddle House. Actually, um, the Ghost Adventures guys, which is another show that I love, had an episode there in the very first season of their, their show. And um, I wanted to kind of play a clip um, regarding that, if that's okay with you. And we can kind of go back and forth with that. How's that sound? I would love to hear it. All right, so we just got here. We're in West Palm Beach, Florida. We came here because of that place. The Riddle House, built in 1905, was originally called the Gatekeeper's Cottage and served as a home to the overseers of the Woodlawn Cemetery across the street. It was actually moved from its original location a few miles down the way, and it seems that that actually angered the spirits or something. What's unique about the Riddle House is it has a lot of paranormal activity. First used as a funeral parlor and later as a private residence, the home has seen its share of tragedy. A lot of people that work here have been harmed, they've had their hair pulled, all kinds of things. That is why we are here. It's an occupied house. Mm -hmm. Occupied by what? I'm not sure. There definitely seems to be some type of activity here. I feel like something is extremely angry. So we're here with uh, John Riddle of, of the Riddle House. My uncle came down here in 1920. Real quick, Jay, that um, John Riddle guy, he's Carl Riddle's nephew. It stayed in the family for a very long time up until now. So that's, that's kind of interesting as well. Yeah. I mean, really, if you just as what they were kind of touching on in that, in that clip saying that it's been around, it had been around since 1905. Uh, you know, you think about it, it was a funeral parlor that turned into someone's home. Uh, if that's not the creepy beginning to a horror movie, I don't know what is. Goddamn right. And then this poor guy, his whole life falls apart 
as he's living in this house. And a lot of times, you, anytime you watch uh, any, any, any show with, like, ghost hunters or uh, any, anything along those lines, I've seen some, some, you know, shows where it's hard to explain what they see. And, and they talk about these people who live in these, these houses that are, are possessed or, or um, how do they put it in, in that clip, that are um, occupied. Right. Um, and the people that live in the house tend to, because you're under so much physical and emotional distress, you tend to go crazy. You tend to lose your mind. So here you have this family living in a, what used to be a funeral home and is, is now the gatekeeper to a, a, a you know, a cemetery. It's, it's, you're asking for bad stuff. It just, yeah, it's, this guy loses his mind. His wife and and daughter die. And, yeah, it's a recipe know, for disaster. They're haunting it, and he's pissed off. I'd be pissed off too. <laughs> exactly. No, you're absolutely right. It's a recipe for disaster, and it's a recipe for you know a very haunted location. So, uh, let's go back to the clip here. Hold on. Twenty and lived in the house. He was the superintendent of the cemetery. They even performed burial ceremony things in this room. At night, the stairs would creak. They couldn't keep any hired help. In the house, once the stairs started creaking. So when and the way he described it in the diary was that it made so much noise, it sounded like somebody dragging a chain up the steps. You actually assisted with the move of the Riddle House from its original location to here in Yesteryear Village. Yes, I did. Now, during that time, have you had any paranormal experiences or unexplained experiences with the building? Let me, let me put it this way. I have never been in this building where I didn't feel some unusual or observe some unusual experience. The thing that caught my attention while it was being constructed was what would happen with ladders when they were unattended. If you left one in the building at night, you were guaranteed that it, it would be in a different place. The ladder would be tipped over. The ladder would be missing. The ladder would be in a different room. John Riddle told us the story. Maybe it was the spirit of uh, Bob Vila. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's still alive. I just, uh, he's very I just angry that Tim, that Tim Allen took all of his, uh, all of his viewership for a, a, you know, Not only a that, show. I, I think he's still alive. I think they just killed the guy, but hold on. <laughs> of these ghostly occurrences. It was early on in the beginning of the Depression, and this guy came by and wanted to help out, doing handiwork around the house. He uh, was hired. Supposedly, he was having still some financial problems, the domestic problems that go along with that, and uh, it finally just got too much for him, and he uh, evidently hung himself in the attic. There's been several sightings of whatever you want to call it, apparitions or something. We feel that it's Joseph, the guy who hung himself. Suddenly, the connection to the moving ladders became clear. The man who committed suicide in this house climbed up the ladder and um, hung himself and then kicked the ladder out from under him. And the encounters escalated from there. I saw a two-by-four fall and hit a person who was standing right next to me. He claimed the two-by-four went across the room horizontally from one side to the other and slammed against the wall. I don't even know where it came from. It shouldn't have been where it was. He came out white as a sheet. The more people we talked to, the clearer it became that ghosts were present throughout the village. We have a building just on the other side um, that belonged to a Civil War captain. When that building came in, the activity between the two buildings seemed to escalate. We would open up that building in the morning and things would be broken, glass would be broken, clocks would be on the floor. 
come in here the next day and things would be broken or in disarray in this building. That's pretty crazy to think that maybe bringing another building in that may have paranormal activity as well can kind of feed off of another building. Well, I'm really, if you think about it, it only makes sense. You, you, you take one haunted place and you put it next to another haunted place and you get double the amount of pissed off entities trying to prove which one is angrier and has more reason to want normal living people dead. Yeah, I'll be last time I go to yesterday's village. No, so it's like a modern day ghost, uh, you know, dick off basically. Have you been to yesterday's village? Yeah, yeah, I've been there many times. I've taken the kids there for Halloween trick or treating. They do like a kids thing there for kids. Like, yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's great. It's the last time I'm going. Yeah, no, I'm, we're going this year, and me <laughs> and you are fucking going. Oh, are we? Oh yeah, you didn't know you're going. Others were also well, eager to tell stories of what they've seen and heard. You know, hear people talk about the, the real house, about it being haunted. They always say they see a light uh-huh. in the front window here. There's always a fucking light. They tell me they see people walking across the windows. There's a window up on the second store that they always say they see something. The house makes noises. And I just think the house just has things to say maybe in each room you get a different feeling there is something that watches me when i'm in here you hesitate before you walk in the door while you're in the building look out because we've had several sightings of a person female usually in a white outfit with a white afghan dog walking around looks like she's in period costume people would see this person in white walking they would go to approach, and the person wouldn't speed up or anything, but they'd either go around a building or they'd just dissipate. Sometimes these encounters were closer than others. They like to touch my hair. What was your feelings when you felt this unseen force grab your hair? I left quickly. <laughs> I always- Like she was going to stick around, right? Well, yeah, no, I, I was waiting for it to braid my hair. Exactly. <laughs> We had an event here, um, a media day. There were people that um, were able to access through the local historical society photographs of this house going back to turn of the century and earlier. Some of those photographs were put on a panel out here and covered for the unveiling. All of us who worked out here were visited by a, what looked like a fairly young couple in their 30s who were impeccably dressed in what I would consider Victorian-era um, costumes. When they announced the unveiling process, we looked for these people because we thought they would make a perfect backdrop for the cameras right, when they started right, taking the picture. Right. We could not find these people anywhere in the village. In one of the photographs, it was 100% carbon copy of of the people that were walking here. None of us have seen them before. None of them saw us after, and they were not here um, during the ceremony. So, yeah, they came back to visit. They came back to visit that old place, and, um, you know, what do you think makes a ghost do that? Uh, You know... Uh, my I, again, this is this is has is only my thought process, or, or or you know, I'm not an expert in the field. But the only thing I can imagine would be that it's they're returning to a happier time. They're returning to 
to a place where they feel comfortable or to a place they're trying to protect a place where they don't want to feel threatened. They don't want to feel uh, ethereal. They don't want to feel, you know, this, this young couple in the thirties impeccably dressed, we don't know who they were or what happened to them. So we don't know if they lived a long, healthy life and died. And maybe that was them going to the, to the next level. We don't know if that was, if they were murdered in the house and that's, they were just letting everybody know they were still there. Yeah, could be. For me, I would have to. I mean, for me, I would have to say that it's usually when when a spirit refuses to it to um, acknowledge that it's it's past and right. and move on to the next level of of existence. Yeah. You end up having these these hauntings. These you know you this is where you have these these things when they're trying to reach out and touch the the physical this particular plane of existence and. That's where I think you get that transition. You get this, you know, the couple or the the cemetery gatekeeper whose life fell to pieces. I mean, it, he's there because he doesn't want to move on. He he was he had a strong connection. He had a lot of reasons. Yeah, had a lot of reasons to be upset. He had, he had a lot of emotions get poured into. Um, the place in which he, he lived and he had, he had this a rough life and he's angry about it. And he's trying to let us know that he's angry about it and that we shouldn't be, you know, intruding in on his space. Stay out of the little girl room. Stay out of there. Whoever, um, spirit might be there. Yeah. Watches you very closely when you're in the, the baby's room upstairs. We have not found a person that does not have a paranormal experience inside this yesteryear village. Yes. Was this village built for the living or the dead? I, it was built for the living. It seems to accommodate the dead. We've had other people threaten to spend the night in here, but nobody's ever done it. So we're the ones. We're so the ones you, crazy enough to do it. you get to do it. Yeah. I'll make a suggestion to you when you, if you go in there, if you have access to an American flag, yeah, take it in there. Every time this is open, we wanted to have an American flag on it, but every time you go in the closet, they're gone. Really? Um, they're gone. So there you go. The Riddle House um, right here, West Palm Beach, Florida, probably one of the more creepier places here in Florida. And, um, you know, um, I think me and you are going to make a trip down there, my friend. I mean, I don't live too far from it. So, like, I, you know, when we went last year, we, we took the kids to the whole trick or treat thing they have going on there. Right. And some of those old houses and some of those old farm equipment you just as you walk by you get a weird sense a weird feeling and you see some of the weird paper mache wax figures they have in there kind of posing to be you know uh they look fake but they still like look fucked up to you like you know what i mean they're like yeah, yeah. send me right <laughs> something's not right I, I remember walking through there and thinking to myself Whew, i would not want to be in here when the lights go out and now i know why thank you imagine being high as hell walking through that place you'd probably have a heart attack no no no. i don't have a heart attack in the heat i'm good (laughs) well man there you go that's uh, that's a wrap man for the most haunted places in florida and if anybody's ever had a chance to come down here um i definitely do um i do recommend you guys check those places out especially uh st augustine to work your way down Mm -hmm. um i mean there's just a a 
a, a plethora of just different places you can visit here and um, experience a lot of um, you know paranormal stuff um, in this wonderful, beautiful state. And I do thank you, Jay, um, again for uh, jumping on here tonight. And um, again, you're going to be a more of a permanent fixture. So a lot of people are going to start hearing from you and me together from here on out. Oh, well, it sounds great. I look forward to a lot of great uh, podcasts, a lot of great topics, uh, very open forum, lots of good times and cuss words. Well, my friend, thank you again uh, for jumping on. And um, until the next time, have a good night. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I look forward to, like I said, a lot of great podcasts. And uh, I can't wait to do the next one. Likewise. All right, my friend. Thanks a lot. And have a good night. You too. Bye. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that um, that episode of the podcast. Again, I want to thank my co-host, uh, Jay Galosi, for uh, jumping on there, here with me and uh, giving his uh, firsthand experiences, uh, what he's dealt with here in this uh, crazy state. So, um, again, big uh, thanks to him. And, again, just want to um, uh, remind everybody on our social media again, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. That's the website. Dark Fringe Radio, that's on Twitter. And same thing on SoundCloud. Please uh, check out both. And uh, please spread the word. Uh, tell everyone you know about the podcast. I'm going to be putting out more uh, content here in the future. And I actually have a lot of interviews uh, kind of set um, already in, in the future uh, with some individuals I think you're going to be uh, interested in hearing uh, what they have to say. So uh, I'll be giving uh, everybody a heads up once uh, I have uh, all these uh, dates um, solid in stone. Again, please give me any suggestions, anybody you might want to hear on the uh, show. Um, I'm thinking about bringing Mark Anthony back on. He was a great guest, and um, uh, I look forward to uh, speaking with him again in the near future. Uh, but again, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. Um, you catch us there. And uh, again, I uh, want to thank everybody for checking in on the episode. Again, uh, thank you. And I uh, hope everybody has a great night or great day. I'm not sure exactly when you're going to be listening to this podcast. So just have a great one anyways. Love you. Bye.